Oh, my goodness. Welcome to church, everyone. <laughs> we aren't really at the movie theater. We are in church this morning, but it is fun to be reminded of some of those times we've gone and uh, just been held spellbound in our seats by some action adventure. Uh, these past four weeks, we have been in this series called At the Movies, and we've been highlighting some different genres of, of uh, various movies um, and looking at some biblical truths. Uh, the first week, we heard from Pastor Julie, and we discovered that she, had a, she enjoys love stories and um, romantic comedies, and we discovered through her message that uh, about this, this wonderful God who loves us with an everlasting uh, and eternal and unconditional love. The second week, Pastor AJ shared his, his passion for uh, action-packed superhero movies, and he reminded us that Jesus Christ is the hero of everything for all times. And then last week, Pastor TJ fe featured a Disney movie, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and he taught us about sanctuary. And he said it's the people of God uh, participating in the work of God that facilitate the presence of God and create sanctuary. Pretty good quote from Pastor TJ. So this week, I want to share with you a movie clip from an adventure drama. How many of you have seen the movie, and I can't really see a lot of you because the lights are really in my eyes, but I'm just going to trust that some hands are going to be raised. How many of you have seen the movie called The Life of Pi? Anyone? I see a few hands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a young man featured in this movie. His name is Pi Patel. He's about 16 years old. And P Pi finds himself stranded in a big ocean uh, in, a, in a horrific storm. And, and this movie goes on. I think the setting uh, is like 272 days out on the ocean, if you can even imagine. But every day becomes a 24-hour battle to survive one more day, one more storm, one more lonely night, hoping beyond hope that help is on the way. And did I mention that he's not alone in this raft? How many of you remember who was in the raft with him? Yeah, what animal was it? A Bengal tiger, and he had a name. Anyone remember? Richard Parker. Richard Parker was the Bengal tiger in the raft with Pi. And so we have that uh, a little snippet of the movie trailer, um, if we can play that now. us in. I, I really think the producers did an amazing job with this movie because it does. It, it grips you and it pulls you in. We're, we're in the boat with them. We're holding on for, for dear life, looking at that horizon when someone, somewhere, somehow, against all odds, will come to help us. We, we look at the story and we think, 
Where is his relief? Where is his rescuer? How will he survive in this mess? How long can he hold out? When will come his rescue that he so desperately needs? And finally, toward the end of the movie, of course, against all odds, his rescue comes to bring him relief. I think we like movies like this because it, there are times in our lives, and I think that, that we can resonate with this, um, we can relate to it because there are times when we all need a rescue. There are times in our lives when we feel like we need um, that relief that, that someone will, will give. We need a rescue. And, and maybe our ship didn't sink, but maybe our hopes have. Maybe we aren't finding ourselves out in the middle of a chaotic sea, but we're in the middle of a chaotic marriage, perhaps. Maybe we're not about to drown in an angry ocean, but maybe we're worried about drowning in a sea of debt. You may not be adrift in a boat, but maybe you're adrift in uncertainty, in frustration, in doubt. So the passage that we're going to look at today is from Mark chapter 5, 1 through 6. And in it, we're going to look at a man who desperately needed a rescue. And so we're going to begin reading from Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 1. And it says, they, meaning Jesus and his disciples, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he'd often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Another translation says, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. If there is one theme that we could put over this little passage, it might be help is on the way. And that's music to our ears because no matter what the mess, Jesus can bring out greatness. No matter what the mess, we serve a great and compassionate God who redeems the years the locusts have eaten. I love that verse from the Old Testament. He redeems the years the locusts have eaten. We, we, we serve a God who delights in bringing beauty out of ashes. He, he can make something beautiful out of the mess of our life. But I'll bet that there are some here today saying, how long, Lord? <laughs> How long? I mean, when will my prayer get answered? <laughs> when will relief come? Because if it's not this, it's that. And if it's not that, it's the other. And I believe I could hold on a little bit longer if I could believe that help was on the way. And maybe you're here this morning and this just doesn't resonate at all with you. Maybe you're in a season in your life where you're just enjoying such success and phenomenal blessings in your life and you feel like, you know, I'm fine. I, I, things, I'm cruising. Things are good. I, I really don't need any help. But I have found that just about the time I start to think that things are going really well, <laughs> Life changes, right? Things turn upside down. I take a tumble, whatever it is, but life changes, and we find ourselves 
in a different kind of time. I remember walking with my dad when I was very young, a very little, very independent kid, and he would keep, you know, there was this path that we would take from the house to the barn, and it was a little bit steep, and, and he would grab a hold of my arm, and I would be like, why are you holding my arm? <laughs> you know, and I'd take my hand away from him, and then about that time, I'd fall and slip about 10 feet away, and just about that time, I was ready for a little bit of help. <laughs> But maybe, you know, just in the same sense of a child that thinks she can handle more than she can handle, some of us thought we knew what we were doing, right? Maybe because you went to school and you got the degree and, and then you find it's not too long until you find yourself on your face, on the floor, praying to the Lord, saying, Lord, school never prepared me for this. <laughs> I need your help. Or maybe a young couple about to get married, we, we, we set them up with premarital counseling quite often, and sometimes body language tells you a lot, and they're sitting there looking bored, thinking, yeah, you know, we've, we practically grew up together. We really don't need counseling. And as they're sitting there enduring the videos and the sessions and the discussion about finances and fighting fair and choosing the words that we speak, he's thinking, come on, I've known her since elementary school. We've got this. But, but not long after they say, I do, sometimes it happens. The honeymoon's over, and they find themselves back on the couch saying, <laughs> we need a little help. It's not as easy as we thought it would be. Right? Some people um, struggle to admit that they need help. And we're very independent people sometimes. And some people go on their way seemingly confident, smiling on the outside while dealing with uh, issues that are beyond human comprehension. And sometimes we do that. We smile through the pain and, and act as if we had no issues, no traumas, no problems. It, and it's, you know, it's not that we're not being transparent, but there are times in our lives when the, it's a matter of, my problems are so complicated. <laughs> it's so complicated. Who would understand? I mean, I don't even know how to articulate how I feel. Have you ever been in a problem that you couldn't explain? <laughs> Have you ever had a, a situation you couldn't, you couldn't even articulate? You didn't even know how to put it into words. It got so overwhelming that your prayer life got halted. You couldn't figure out what to ask for. You, you complicated problems so pervasive and, and so overwhelming, you find yourself just sitting there, staring into space. And here's what can happen. Unresolved issues, unresolved problems can tend to drive you away from people. Despair can isolate you. Despair can alienate you. Despair can put you on an island all by yourself. The man in the text this morning was in a place like that. He was a man who had found himself in a dilemma so complicated and so overwhelming. He had a family, but he wasn't a part of them. He was in a community, but he didn't feel a part of them. He wasn't connected to them. He had a home and a life, but, but the problems had become so difficult and so bad that they had driven him away from everybody. In fact, the Bible says that this man who once lived in a neighborhood, who once had a home, who had a family, that moved away from his family and friends and finds himself 
dwelling in tombs. Now, when the Bible talks about somebody dwelling in the tombs, that doesn't really resonate with us real well. But this man was living in a cemetery, a living man in a dead place. There he is. He's come to make his abode among dead things, living in the tombs. Isn't it interesting how you can find yourself in a state that you have no business being in? You find yourself in a place that you were never meant to be in. Maybe you're not in a physical, literal cemetery, but maybe you're in a spiritual cemetery or maybe an emotional cemetery. You're in a, in a dead kind of place. You know what it's like to get up every morning, to put, get dressed, put one foot ahead of the other, and go to work, and no one has any idea that you're living in a dead place. You feel disconnected with everyone around you because it's, so, it's hard for people to reach you when you're in a dead place. The Bible says this man lived among the tombs, and nobody could control him. Outside people tried everything they could to, to control him, to bind him, but, and to chain him, but he was beyond human control. He had broken restraints. He had crossed the line. Nobody could control him. Some of you have lived with people like that, out of control. Some of you, maybe you have been that. There's a word in the Bible that is called lasciviousness. Lasciviousness refers to unrestrained actions. There are people who don't just break other people's rules, they break their own rules. And this man had broken his own rules. He couldn't even control himself. He's a desperate man and he's in a desperate situation. He's violent and he's angry. One minute he's, he's breaking chains and fighting and the next he's sitting on the ground crying. And the Bible says he's cutting himself with stones. Have you ever known someone to cut themselves? In our last church, there was a 15-year-old girl who struggled with self-esteem issues, and she frequently cut her arms. You see the marks on her arms and on her body, and she'd wear long sleeve shirts a lot just to cover them up. And you know that it's a big issue with a lot of teens. I read this week that 15 to 20% of teens struggle and they cut themselves. And we might wonder, who would do this? But yet we do this, maybe not with stones or blades, but have you ever been your own worst critic? <laughs> have everything you do, you, you scrutinize and critique and tear it apart. Uh, you don't need anybody else to tear you down because you do a good job of it yourself, right? <laughs> You, you beat yourself up. Well, meanwhile, while this man is dealing with his devils, while he's, this man is, is weeping in the tombs, while this man is cutting himself with stones, while this man was worrying, perhaps, about his marriage, his home, his community, um, we, we can only surmise. We, we really don't know, but maybe, you know, struggling with, would I ever get my life back? Will I ever get my family back? Would I ever get my standing back? Will I ever get normalcy back? I mean, he's dealing, he's dealing with these devils. And these aren't just problems. These aren't just anxieties. I mean, these, this isn't natural. <laughs> Hell is breaking out on all sides. 
He's going through trials that don't make any sense, sickness that doesn't make any sense. And all of this chaos is going on in the tombs, in the dead place. Meanwhile, little does he know (laughs) that Jesus is on the other side of the lake. Jesus, the one who heals, the one who commands demons, the one who walks on water, the one who can breathe life into dead places. Jesus has gotten 12 of his guys together, and they don't know where he's going, but he said, let us cross over to the other side. (laughs) I think it's no coincidence. About halfway there, a a terrible storm broke out, A, a furious squall. One commentator called it of hurricane force. A furious squall. If you read the passage before this in Mark chapter 4, you see that Jesus was on his way over when the storm broke out. And in chapter 4 of Mark, it says that Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat. Picture it. The lightning's flashing. The the thunder, the the waves are rolling, crashing against the boat, and it's being tossed and turned. Jesus was trying to get some rest because he had a divine appointment on the other side. He had some devils to deal with on the other side. He had some prayers to answer on the other side. And so there he is in the bottom of the ship trying to get some rest for the other side. The shippers being steered by Peter, very experienced fisherman, when we find this strange storm had broken out. I picture that it started off a perfectly clear day, and about halfway there, the sky went black. I think this is no normal storm, but because the demons knew help is on the way. Because legions of demons knew that the only one who could cast them out was making their way over to the other side. I mean, can you imagine the demons having a meeting? Quick, we've got to do something. You send the lightning, you send the rain, you send the wind, and I'll send the waves. The Bible says that the storm was so fierce that Peter began to think they weren't going to make it. While everybody else is having a fit, Jesus is asleep in the the middle of the storm. He was asleep because he knew this is nothing but the devil. Because I'm close to deliverance. I'm close to a victory. I'm close to a breakthrough. I think how often storms in the Bible precede a great victory. When they awoke Jesus, the Bible says he stood on the bow of the ship. And I can just imagine, can't really fathom it, but he stood on the bow of the ship and said, peace, be still. As he's talking to creation, he's talking to the elements, the the weather patterns, be still. He looked straight into the eye of this killer squall and said, peace, be still. And in an instant, the howling winds and the driving waves ceased. Can you imagine? From a roar to a... In the text, the writer tells us that when Jesus landed on the other side, there was a man in the tombs who came running out to meet him. Jesus came through the storm just to help him. (laughs) He came through the warfare just to help him. And I think of Joseph in the book of Genesis that said, 
what the enemy meant for evil, God intends for good. I hope you can hear that in your life this morning. The demons had this man so tied up, they could have brought him down to nothing. But when the man, when, when he saw Jesus, he started running straight for him. In spite of his devils, he began to worship the name of the Lord. And when Jesus cast the devils out of him, this man said, let me go with you. <laughs> you can kind of imagine how he felt going with his rescuer. But the Lord said to him exactly what he needed to do. He said, go home. <laughs> go home. Be with your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Go home. <laughs> In my Bible, I had written next to this passage, the people had written him off but God restored everything he'd lost. <laughs> Isn't it true? God restores the years the locusts have eaten. <laughs> Some of you could tell that in your own life, how, how you praise God through the storm. You praise God. How exteriorly, maybe not one thing has changed yet. But in, in essence, everything really has changed, hasn't it? Because as Isaiah says, they who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So picture it, this man's back home. He's back home telling everybody, the whole community, his family, everyone hears what Jesus had done and the power of God to restore a life, to change a destiny, to breathe new life in dead places. <laughs> and it says, people were amazed at how much the Lord had done for him. They were amazed. Perhaps you're in a kind of a dead place right now. Maybe you're saying, no, I'm really in a great spot right now, but I sure remember when I did go through it and how faithful God was. Maybe you needed to hear this message because right now you're in a space that's so complicated, so overwhelming, so wearying. Maybe it's been keeping you up at night. Perhaps it's hard to put into words, but I want to just invite you as we close in prayer, if you're in a place like that, whatever it is, God sees and God knows, and he is powerful, powerful to help you as you call out to him. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Gracious Heavenly Father, <laughs> I know it begins by just acknowledging our need. Lord, right now, we say, Lord, that we need you. We need your rescues. We acknowledge our need. Your word says that you rescue those who are humble. You don't rescue those who are prideful. Lord, I need what only you can provide. And Lord, I'm making the decision. We make the decision to cooperate with what you'd have us to do, your will, your way. It seems the more we cooperate with you, the more we see your rescues, your victories in our life. And so right here and right now, not my will, but thine be done. I'm gonna follow what your word says, for it is a rescue manual for my life. 
Lord, we bring our situations, our storms, whatever it is, the dead places. We bring them before you. You know all about it. Maybe it's a family member so in need of your help. Maybe you put your hands up in the air saying, I don't even know how to handle this. Lord, we bring this one to you. Maybe it's a health issue, dear God. Right now, you need of a touch, a physical touch of healing. And for God to just you reach down from on high and speak healing to that person, to that need, to that dead place. For others, maybe it's an internal storm, nagging anxieties, fear, depression, guilt, or something that's been harassing you. Tying you up in knots and taking you to places you were never meant to be. Lord, heal and restore all the broken places in our lives. Replace this anxiety with your peace, depression with your joy, weakness for your strength, and help us to daily walk in confidence, knowing a rescue is on the way. I thank you in Jesus' name. stand together and worship him as Thank you. 
so that you, you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Have a great day, everyone. God bless. Have a great week. And remember the God of all hope going before you each and every day, no matter what you face. As you're making all things new,